Welcome back once again to another edition of the Harry Potter Book Club. I'm Trevor. I'm Crystal. I'm Alex. I'm Matt. I'm Vera. And I'm Sylvia. Holding our newest member of the HPBC, uh, Vera and Alex's little buddy, Teddy. <laughs> so he may make some noises throughout. Hopefully he'll be calm and quiet. Uh, before we jump in to chapter 16, um, we want to remind you that there are a couple ways that you can stay up to date with the Harry Potter Book Club. Uh, first is through Twitter, at HPBC Podcast. Uh, also, we're on Instagram posting photos. Uh, every time uh, we, we post a new episode, we've got uh, pictures of our gathering and also the wonderful meals that we're sharing together, which... For some of us, is the highlight of our time together. Uh, that's also at HPBC Podcast. <laughs> and as always, you can get in touch with us uh, with comments or questions via email uh, at hpbcfanmail at gmail.com. Well, with our introductory material out of the way, let's jump straight in through the trap door. Not quite. That's just the title of <laughs> chapter 16. Before we get to the trap door, uh, this chapter opens up, and it is finally exam time. I, I found these to be some fun details about what it's like at this first time through end-of-year exams at Hogwarts. I'm curious if there's anything particularly that, that struck you all about the descriptions there. I have always wondered about the mechanics of an anti-cheating spell on quills. And I wondered mm -hmm. if you guys had any thoughts about that. Like, what does it actually do to prevent you from cheating? I think in book five, we're sort of introduced to that a little, where there's like, um, am I right or am I making that up? I don't know. Maybe it's just something in my head. But I've always pictured it being like, you know, there's no spell check. Like, if, if you misspell something, there are quills that, you know, correct your spelling or something mm -hmm. like that. Maybe that's just a quill I've heard about in one of the joke shops or something. In which case, an anti-cheating spell would, or quill would just be a quill. Just be a normal quill. Like, I'd like to think it would say, I am cheating or something like that. You couldn't help but write, I am cheating. I am a cheater or something. And how would it know? I mean... Yeah, I don't know. Well, there is there is, there are joke quills where you write something because I remember uh, Slughorn, isn't it? Or no, Snape reads um, something that says Runild Wasnip or something oh, like yeah. that. Oh yeah, that was the spell checking. That's what I'm thinking yeah. of. Right. Yeah. But it was it was something that worked the opposite way. So uh -huh. it was well, almost it like the. Yeah, the magic had worn off. Yeah, running a battery. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so in in that case, what was it that it was malfunctioning because it was causing like Ronald Weasley mm -hmm. to be spelled Runeld Wasnip against the writer's intentions. Yeah. Hmm. That so, doesn't answer the question. It just means that there, are, <laughs> we we can put our finger on. Other um, <laughs> magical items mm -hmm. that have a similar effect. Yeah. But when you start getting into, again, the metaphysics of magic, how right. it's all well, working there's, out. There's a lot of different ways to cheat. Right? Yeah. I mean, so I between if, if maybe looking were... over somebody else's shoulder on the paper right there versus having memorized specific answers if it is a multiple choice and just memorizing the, the series of answers you need to put down. You know, it... 
it's hard to know how to block the cheating I unless mean, I feel like they're I actually mean, going after the intent to cheat. Right, that's the only thing that's sort of universal among. Or if it's like an anti-plagiarism <laughs> kind of spell, where they're all somehow linked. So if you're writing the same thing as the person that's near you, yeah. I can tell. Well, but there is so the the quick quotes quill mm -hmm. is something that responds to human activity to all, seemingly random human activity in a way that jots down notes. But when Rita Skeeter's using it, it seems to be responding to her intent as an author, even though she's not verbally communicating with it. Again, you, you get these magical objects that are interacting in really sophisticated and nuanced yeah. ways <laughs> with the psychology of their users. Um, so I suppose it wouldn't be too far-fetched to say that something like that is happening mm -hmm. with an anti-cheating quote. Of course, it's much easier for Rowling to just say, oh, that's, that's a fun thing to have the first year of exams an anti-cheating spell and to not really think about the mechanics of it in the ways that we're trying to do right yeah. but I, I think it's good that you point out that we have we see using the intent of the user and having magic being able to identify that in it by itself we see that in all sorts of different things right and we see that in, i think most explicitly in the sword of gryffindor Mm. Right, which can pre mm. present itself to any worthy Gryffindor. Well, it can know the intentions <laughs> of a worthy Gryffindor. Yeah. And the Marauder's right. Map is that way, too. When other people that aren't mischief makers try to get into it, it insults them. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, even we were talking about the physics of broom flying. Yeah. Yeah. When we're like, there's only so many ways you can like wiggle a broomstick. <laughs> like, how does it know? <laughs> That you're saying go faster rather than go down or go up or or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's Listeners, nice. that was a discussion we had many, many moons, many chapters ago <laughs> uh, in our, our first uh, discussion of flying lessons. But we're circling back because <laughs> these magical objects keep cropping up and raising all sorts of interesting questions. Yeah. I noticed something and I was thinking maybe it was a literary device. But, you know, she mentions that it's swelteringly hot uh, there. And it just got me thinking, you know, like some people use, or some writers, I mean, use that as kind of a, a foreshadowing of like something's getting ready to boil over mm. or something's getting ready to happen. And I think of like Shakespeare and Romeo and Juliet, like right before uh, Mercutio is, is killed, you know, the Capulets and the Montagues, they... They have a big battle scene on this really hot and sweltering day. It's like the, your tempers mm -hmm. are just mm -hmm. up, and mm. um, that when I read that, that's just kind of I thought that you know, like it I just like it. and yeah. like something's getting ready to happen. And I think she very intentionally put this in here that it's swelteringly hot, and there, I mean, it's it's just it's yeah, the hot is just almost overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pressure's building. Pressure's building. <laughs> It's That's simmering. It's getting ready to bubble over. How many puns can we make about I don't this? Know. I'm sure there are a few more out there if we really tried. Well, then we have Snape, who's just typical Snape. Yeah. And I, I just can't believe this. Like, he sets a forgetfulness potion. Mm -hmm. And, like, could you set your kids up to fail more? Because I'm just thinking, like, with potions you're brewing, 
you're getting some of those fumes. Yeah, so it's those like fumes are trying rising to remember up. everything, and you're like breathing in forgetfulness. <laughs> <laughs> like, what a jerk thing to do. I just, I, yeah, I thought it was something like, you know, when you have the, the kid that's in front of like his whole school in a spelling bee, and it's like, I misspelled the word failure, you know, or something like that. It's like, you know, it's something that they can look back on. And it's like, I forgot how to how to mix the potion forgetfulness, you know, or something like that. I, yeah, I thought that was particularly humorous. Yeah, she does. She adds in these little ironic gestures at various points. It, it really is a delightful sort of thing. When, when you don't think about what a jerk Snape must be. Oh, yeah. All these kids, especially if you're brewing all of those in the same room, so the fumes mm. are just compounded. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. oof. Now on to our next exam. Where, where are we going? One of the things, the details that's immediately after that uh, was Harry did the best he could, trying to ignore the stabbing pains in his forehead, which had been bothering him ever since his trip into the forest. Uh, Matt, you brought up the stabbing pain in the forehead in our last chapter discussion. Noted that it was at a level and a severity that we have not seen Harry experience Mm -hmm. thus far. Now it seems that it is almost continuous. That it's actually getting in the way of his performance on exams. Because ever since uh, the trip to the forest, these stabbing, excruciating pains have been there. It, it made me wonder. I mean, Voldemort's been there the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I think we've inferred, the last trip in the forest was not even the first time he was drinking unicorn blood. Yeah. So what is it that changed that is causing Harry to experience pain now when... I mean, he was in the same proximity to, to Voldemort all along. Any theories there? I, I, I want to say I think that maybe um, it's Voldemort's excitement. Because later in, in the books, mm-hmm. we, we see a lot of that. Like when Voldemort's emotions are running high. Harry connects with right. him easier mm-hmm. and has more pain in his scar. Mm-hmm. So I, because later we find out that the stranger knows how to get through the trapdoor. They think it's Snape, but it's not. And so mm-hmm. Voldemort knows now how to get through and is going like this evening. So I want to say it's excitement about, you know, getting the stone. And so Harry's feeling that amping up all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There may also be. Um, you know, a bit of anger mixed in there, you know, because he's always been around Harry, I guess, as, a, as you know, a back of Quirrell's head. You know, he's, he's been there, right. but, like, there in the forest, it was, I think, maybe his first opportunity where Harry was alone, and he could have killed Harry. Like, he mm-hmm. sweeps after Harry, getting ready to, to go get him, and that was a missed opportunity. So I'm thinking maybe, you know, there's that, just anger, you know, that Quirrell wasn't able to get up fast enough or something like that. But I do like your explanation better when you read that. I mean, I think he's probably excited that, you know, oh, I'm getting ready to come back. This is my big moment. He's frustrated that he's having to sit and proctor exams when he could be going after the Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, not only that, but how thoughtful of uh, Voldemort not to go after the stone until it was the very end of the school year Isn't and that exams. Nice? Were, yeah, and he were always over. does that. He yeah. always waits till the end of the I school know. year. I know. I thought it was to very hatch thoughtful. To his dastardly plot. Mm-hmm. Got to get some learning in. Yeah. Well, just because he's a wicked villain doesn't mean he doesn't value education. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we know he does, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's sitting there on the back of Quirrell's head thinking, if I could teach this class, <laughs> <laughs> what I'd do. There's a, there's a statement from Hermione over here that I feel like is a little bit out of character. I wanted to bring it to y'all's attention. Um, she says, that was far easier than I thought it would be. That, that That's good Hermione sense. But then she says, I needn't have learned about the 1637 werewolf code of conduct or the uprising of Alfred the Ear. And I don't think there's anything that Hermione thinks she needn't have learned. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that was kind of strange <laughs> to me when I read that. Yeah, I think it, that's just one of her idiosyncrasies, you know, of just like, she's glad probably that she, you know, learned it, but she, I don't know, maybe she's beating herself over the head like, ah, I didn't need to, you know, know it that well. That. You know, yeah, yeah I, I needed to spend more time on, you know, this. Or I, mm-hmm. I, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I... I think that is a little out of character. I, I don't think, yeah, she would honestly say, oh, I shouldn't have learned about that. Yeah, she wants to know about everything. Mm-hmm. Did anybody else find it just sort of unbelievable that Harry magically stumbles onto this idea that Hagrid found a dragon egg? Like, I find that so hard to believe. Like, there, everything else that he can kind of come up with, he, he comes across these clues that sort of lead him to it, but then there's this weird moment where he's like, oh, there's something nagging at me. Oh, this stranger that Hagrid met in the Hogshead, it must have been Voldemort or Snape, I guess is who he thinks it is at the time. It's just, I'm, I don't know. I, uh, I guess you have to do it because we need to know. But, man, I just find it really hard to believe. Well, the series of thoughts we get is a really creative sort of free <laughs> Something's nagging me. There's an owl. Hagrid's the only one who sends me letters. Hagrid would never betray Dumbledore. Hagrid would never tell anyone how to get past Fluffy. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> and we're right at the next, yeah. you know, big yeah. moment of the plot. <clears throat> yeah, it's just kind of unbelievable to me. I mean, we like I said, we had to get there, but it's difficult. And then Hagrid, like, Hagrid doesn't even realize it. You know, Harry's, like, questioning him, and he's like, I don't know, he didn't take his cloak off. I don't know who he could have been. Mm. And then... You know, in typical Harry fashion, he doesn't even tell Hagrid or any other adult. He's well, he, I guess he does go to McGonagall, but he doesn't tell Hagrid like you made a mistake. He just runs off and doesn't give any clue as to what's going on. Well, even Hagrid's response <clears throat> is, "I shouldn't have told you that." <laughs> Not, "Oh goodness, I told a stranger how to right. get past Fluffy." You know, at the Hogshead. And then forget I said it, like Hagrid. Harry is not going to forget you said this. This is Harry. Well, I guess he does let it slip that, you know, all you need is music to get past Fluffy. And so, obviously, now the idea is, okay, I can get past the first obstacle. But, of course, you know, there's probably many other... He knows there's other obstacles to get past, but, you know, he knows he's got to stop Quirrell and, and he's got to stop Voldemort from coming back. I mean, again... He now knows, we, we know from last chapter, you know, that he was essentially almost attacked by Voldemort last chapter. And so he knows Voldemort's trying to come back. And it's now, I guess, in his lap 
you know, what do I do about this now? Um, it's interesting yeah. to me, though, that Quirrell and Voldemort through Quirrell needed to trick Hagrid, you know, with a dragon's egg in order to figure out how to get past a dog. Like, right. you are a professor of the dark arts. Like, yeah. you can't get past a dog. But not right? only that. All, all of, but even all of the other obstacles, we, we haven't quite got there yet, but yeah. are not really that intimidating. Get on a broom and catch a flying key. Mm-hmm. I've actually, yeah, when we get there, I'm going to give a theory um, right. about all that when we, yeah. when we get there. It, it just, it seems, it's interesting that it has taken so long for uh, the Dark Lord and his uh, wizard scholar minion to, like, they've got to brainstorm all year to figure out how to get past an animal. Yeah. Right. I mean, the idea that music soothes the savage beast has been around since what? It's a very creative idea. No, yeah, 1637? But... I mean, hmm. it's been here a Give long time. Yeah, but do you... That, yeah, the phrase was coined by <laughs> William Congreve in The Morning Bride. Oh, sorry, 1697. Okay. So it's been well, around a long time. It seemed a little too early. Yeah, I was going to say. In, in but... English literature, and we all know the phrase to think like... I mean, this is the thing about about like passwords and cryptography right if if a computer or some something like that were to come up with a you know 100 digit passcode it would be impossible for any person to figure it out if the test to get through the door is how do i soothe a savage beast <laughs> for most thinking people it's like well i can think of a couple ways maybe i do this music thing <laughs> yeah, but do you do you stake your life on it? Do you go into that room thinking? And again, I know I got, I got one word. Yes, Avada Kedavra. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. We don't oh, we don't know if it would work on such a big beast. You Maybe know? you got to do it three what? times. I mean, no. I mean, spells. Just think about this. Just Hagrid. Just in general, like when they launch spells at Hagrid, they bounce yeah. off. Okay. You know, like there but are you're not risk, you're not even risking your life. You creak open the door. Avada Kedavra. Nope. Okay. <laughs> All right. Back to the drawing board. Try again, right, right. Try again right. tomorrow. And enchanted harp. Right. But but let's right. just let's remember that it isn't a school. There's students, teachers, Dumbledore around. So you don't have a lot of time to go in there and experiment because if you keep showing up, you know, like Filch keeps seeing you by the third floor corridor, you know, like. Oh well, he's he keeps going by and he keeps going in the room with Fluffy where he's not supposed to be. Yeah, but yeah, but if you're the defense against the dark arts teacher to be going in and out of the room where no one else is supposed to go, I think I, makes a lot. Why more would sense. you want to go? Why would you want to go in a room with a three-headed doll? That's all that's in there besides the trapdoor. Why? There is no reason why you. I'm just I'm there. just really not convinced that any of the defenses. Uh, let alone fluffy, are really that rigorous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for any self-respecting wizard, I just know that if I was in that situation, <laughs> I'm, I'm really confident in my ability to get past. I mean, perhaps some evidence of this is that three children yeah. do get through yeah. them. Yeah. 
Well, I, it's I to did. me more evidence of like what Dumbledore that he could be behind this because it's almost like the test is designed for a first year level. Yeah. Like well, if you look at the skill it, level involved. But it's designed for those three right, kids. That, that was yeah. Because there's this, the first oh, seeker, sorry. first year right. seeker. I'm sorry, Matt. No, you say right. the thing. Go no, ahead. no. I mean that was my theory. Is <laughs> yeah. obviously. You know, like first years can get through, but not probably not all first years. Right. You know, I mean, because you think about it, who has the skills to get on a broom and find that key? You know, I mean, it says in there that Harry could see things, you know, and react quicker because you know he had that seeker mentality. You know, he'd been training all year on a broom. Um, then there's the wizard's chest that Ron has been just beating everybody's pants off, you know, so that's in there. And then there's the logic that's mm-hmm. in there that plays... Which I hate pe- that that was cut out of the movie. Yeah, I, I hate that too, but it plays particularly to Hermione's strengths, yeah. you know, and so it plays to all their strengths. So it almost seems like there is some mastermind with a long beard <laughs> and likes to wear <laughs> emerald green that and all that other stuff. And big boots. fan of knitting and boots patterns. And big fan of knitting patterns. Seems like somebody is behind this yeah. wanting them to push through. And the troll was the other task, and that was something they all three accomplished together already once. Right. And let's not forget that at the end of last <laughs> chapter, he gives them the initial key to get started, mm-hmm. which the is invisibility the invisibility cloak that yeah. will allow them to actually get to the yeah. door past everybody past peeves yeah. filch you know like everybody else so it and just it points from their favorite teacher who they're always hanging out with they yeah. get the way to get past the first hurdle yeah and then harry's already faced the last one exactly so yeah they're just they're set up for success it's too much to be a coincidence maybe one or two you know but like all of them play to their yeah. strengths yeah but those strengths are not really that distinctive I mean, uh, it's not like they're the only people at Hogwarts right. who are... Ca- it's true. I mean, we, we haven't gotten to Snape's potion thing. That puzzle is is not that hard. Yeah. Like, it's, it's <laughs> just really not. Uh, apparently, Quirrell, with Voldemort, like, yelling at him in the back of his head, can hop on a broom and catch this key because he had to find the key first. You know, it's got the, the crumpled feather. So I'm just... I'm not convinced that the... The tasks are really that difficult at all. If if middle-aged Quirrell can do the broom task, it suggests to me that any any kid playing Quidditch would would be able to do that. I do like I do like where you're going. I mean, I think it does set up really nicely that way. Yeah. Um, but again, it's it's like if if we're poking holes, it makes me just wonder. If you're really out to protect the Sorcerer's Stone, I mean, protect it. Yeah, I I would suggest that Dumbledore was not so much out to protect the Sorcerer's Stone as he was setting up an arena for Voldemort and Harry to battle it out. Oof. So he's like President Snow orchestrating a <laughs> a little bit I mean, Hunger well, Games showdown. You're right. Yeah, like, except these are instead not of two challenges. children, it's a vicious, <laughs> you know, age-old killer against a child. Right. Three children. Three. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Does he know about the protection that Harry has because of his mother's death that's still, like, held seems, over I mean, Harry? he talks because about it right he, after. If it he knows like he, that. 
Yeah. Harry's protected. If he knows of the prophecy, then it's not that different than what he does when Harry's older. Harry's just kind of younger now, so I think it seems harsher. Also, with protecting the stone, he knows that that thing is protected because his last barrier, he knows that Voldemort cannot get it because Voldemort wants nothing more than to use that stone. But he knows Harry can, which kind of just leads or lends more you know, proof to the theory that we're having that he set Harry up for this. Because right, he's yeah. already seen what Harry has seen in the uh, mirror of Erised. So he knows that Harry would be someone who would want to protect others. Yeah. So it's just... You know, we, we've said before, like, Dumbledore goes out of his way to get to know Harry, to make sure he's someone who can face Voldemort um, and sacrificially face Voldemort. Leading the land to slaughter. <laughs> if that is the case, though, I mean, what, what we're suggesting then is that Rowling is writing this very childish first novel with an incredibly sophisticated understanding of Dumbledore's psychology. Yeah. Like... And I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm yeah. okay with it, but it, for some reason, it's a tough sell because everything is so innocent and playful, and it just, it sort of comes across as, oh, look, all of the tasks <laughs> are things that they're able to do. Yeah. Um, I guess, I guess one of the questions would be, do the details fit such that this explanation of Dumbledore orchestrating could work? Or do we actually think this is what Rowling is doing in the story? That from this moment, like from picking up on our discussion in last chapter, Dumbledore knows about the prophecy. Dumbledore is preparing and orchestrating maybe even this moment to be the moment that the Dark Lord falls... Um, in a confrontation with Harry where Harry must die or something like that so that all of the pieces are intentionally crafted within the world of the story by Dumbledore to get to a certain end one other factor that might play into that idea that this is all intended if we know that the stone has extraordinary power that has the ability to bring people on the verge of death back, and we know that Harry can get it, then perhaps he's anticipating the possibility that Voldemort will kill Harry and himself in the process, or get very close to killing him, and with the last shreds of Harry's life, Harry could pull the stone out from the mirror of Erised and restore himself. But you have to make the elixir. Yeah, it's uh, not just right. the stone. It's not just the stone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's what I was if you could thought. just like lick the stone. <laughs> 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 Revived. Yeah. Right, so this 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 I think is the question that that is nagging me though is is this a situation where we're sort of saying ooh it's interesting to sort of play with the pieces of the puzzle this way, or we're saying no I, I'm actually reading the story with the conviction that the author intends it. This, yeah. that this, this is what Rowling was doing with Dumbledore all along. But it's, it's something you could only see in book one <laughs> yeah. Yeah. after you already know everything else in the story. The more we read it, the more like secure I am in my faith that like Dumbledore, she wrote Dumbledore this particular way, like that he 
you know, as Sylvia has said over and over, he 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 puts Harry in these dangerous situations because he knows that Harry is like gonna have to be sacrificed. And he does think that because there's that moment in book four when Harry tells Dumbledore and Sirius that Voldemort took his blood, that Harry notices there's something like triumph in Dumbledore's eyes. So until the moment that Voldemort takes Harry's blood, Dumbledore believes Harry will die. But then Voldemort taking Harry's blood is actually what saves Harry's life in the end. It's what brings him back because he's tethered to life while Voldemort lives. So until that moment, he believes Harry's going to die. So I think he does set him up to try his strengths, mm-hmm. to do a lot of different things. And he I, I also don't think he knows about all the Horcruxes at this point either, meaning Dumbledore, because mm-hmm. he, he says later when he reveals the Horcruxes to Harry that, you know, he, he Harry, handed Dumbledore proof of what he thought was, you know, the, the Horcruxes the idea of Horcruxes, which was Riddle's diary, and that happens in book two. So at this point, I don't think he... He may Mm -hmm. have an inkling of one, but he doesn't know about all of them. Yeah. Well, there's also an important (laughs) distinction. Like, I I think in the seventh book, it's obvious that Dumbledore was, I guess, quote-unquote, leading Harry to slaughter. Like, he knew he had to die. But did he know that, you know, I guess... That Harry was going to die in his, I guess, seventh year? Or did he just think, you know, in book one, you know, oh, well, this may be it. I'm going to lead him up. Oh, it didn't happen here. Mm-hmm. Book two, I'm going to try lead- to kill him next uh, year. Uh, yeah, I'm going to try to get him. I mean, like, those are important distinctions. Did he right. know that it was going to be this one time at the very end? Or did yeah. he know, did he just think, I got to keep setting this up? Yeah, and one of the complicating factors is that when Dumbledore spills his guts, he admits. There are things that I would do differently. Mm-hmm. There were things I did not know. Mm-hmm. So Dumbledore at least pleads ignorance about certain important details, which is that's one of the complicating factors that adds question marks. Well, depending on what he was ignorant of, depending on what he was unsure of, how confident can we be that he was pulling all of these strings in all of these very meticulous ways at such an early point in the story? Not saying that that um, invalidates the theory by any means. I'm saying it adds those question marks, which Rowling always adds mm-hmm. with questions like this. Mm-hmm. That there are details that pull us in multiple ways, where particularly with Dumbledore's character, I mean, how many times have we had this discussion? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we're only, you know, we're not even at the end of book one. Yeah. Um, but we're just wrestling with who is... Albus Dumbledore. I mean, that's really maybe the the question that has pestered us most. Is he this wizened, old, kind wizard who's got Harry's best at heart, who is a, a sort of father figure, who can be trusted, or is he, I mean, with the story that, that we're telling here, a manipulator on mm-hmm. par on par with Lord Voldemort. Right. Yeah. I think when Rita Skeeter's book comes out in the in the last book, you know, we get more of, I guess, the truth that it is. It's complicated. Yeah, it is. It's very complicated, which I mean brings it. I think more from just a fable or a story where you have the true virtuous characters and then the evil characters, and there's no 
uh, play between them, mm-hmm. and it brings it into more real life scenario where, like, you know, I mean, even you know our heroes, you know, throughout history that we lift up, I mean, had dark sides, and I mean, it's it's kind of yeah, it brings it into reality. Speaking of, I would buy that book. If J.K. Rowling wrote The Life and Lies of Albus Dumbledore yeah, by Rita Skeeter, yeah. I would buy that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. I would also say that um, something kind of telling about Dumbledore's character, maybe even more so than Rita Skeeter, who got everything kind of hearsay and um, secondhand, is Aberforth's testament that Dumbledore learned secrets and lies at their mother's feet. So that gives us just a glimpse into his childhood, which was clearly full of a lot of manipulation. Mm-hmm. So I think his character is very flawed with some some manipulation tactics and you know Aberforth even says like did he tell you everything like did he you know he cares about you but did he tell you he he knows that Dumbledore is capable of putting Harry in danger because he saw it with his sister and he knows his weakness is power mm-hmm. well we jumped super far ahead yeah, we did. because <laughs> it's such a cool chapter I mean, yeah, we just I know it, <laughs> Yeah, we just wanted but, to start talking about it immediately. I, kn- I knew we weren't going to be able to wait until the end yeah, to we start talking about it. Oh, that's but okay. I do want to go back, if we can, to just Professor McGonagall. Yeah. And, like, when Harry has determined that it was Snape slash Voldemort underneath the cloak that sold, or that, you know, gave Hagrid the dragon egg, they go to look for Dumbledore, but they run into Professor McGonagall instead. And she, like, you know, says... What are you, the stone is safe. Are you crazy? She doesn't, it appears she doesn't investigate whatsoever. It's like, you know, you're not even supposed to know about the stone. But she doesn't do anything, or so it seems. But I, I would actually, I wonder what you guys think. They run into McGonagall later when they go to the third corridor because they think, well, if she's not going to help, all we can do is go up there and wait and see if Snape comes by. Right. But she finds them there. So I wonder if she's not just lurking around there kind of wondering if everything's okay Mm. because that's where she turns up next Mm. and he says she is just there i mean we don't know why so i'm just curious you're saying she wouldn't give the kids the satisfaction Mm -hmm. of like going along with their theory but she had her suspicions and was checking it out on her own yeah that's what it sounds like Mm. to me it's either that or she's thinking that these troublemakers are telling me about this and I'm shutting them down and they're going to go investigate on their own because they've already been up in yeah. the Strano <laughs> Yeah, they're not going to drop I mean, it. I mean, so I'm going to go catch them. That's probably in the better. So, yeah. again, like, it's, it's either or. Yeah, that's probably, knowing her character, that's probably more it is. Like, she sees what they're saying is nonsense because she's McGonagall and they're kind of troublemakers. And so she's like, I'm going to go make sure they're not stalking around that corridor. Yeah. That's probably more. Which, again, it's, it's a flaw, I think, in her character. Yeah, because they is. are telling the truth, you know, and again... I guess she's believing that oh, all the teachers have put spells and and we put challenges yeah. up to where nobody can get through this. Yeah, she even says like, I guess you th- three think you're bigger than or better than like a pack of enchantments. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Simple answer is yes. Yeah. They are. They're up to the task. <laughs> so there's also the. Um, the important device that we find out, Dumbledore is not in the castle. Mm-hmm. He has been called away to the ministry, which is a fake letter, right. yeah. um, which we see arriving in that owl that gives Harry the epiphany about Hagrid somehow. <laughs> um, so 
but it, I'm curious how how much like are, are there is there an alarm system down there you know what why does it matter that Dumbledore's not there it seems like something like if you can get past all the enchantments and then just leave with the stone and no one would be the wiser you know unless there's some kind of alarm system going on down there in which case I mean you do have to not through, only get in but get out yeah and yeah but it's unless but it's you're Dumbledore well. so just leave with the stone in your pocket out but that also to me and one of the things that struck me as weird is he flew off on his broomstick Right? I thought they were saying that when they said he left for the ministry. How did they describe him leaving to go to they, the ministry? They don't. I, I, yeah, again, he was that, called away. I, I, Dumbledore can operate wherever he right, pleases. That's what I figured. Yeah. So I feel like that's so, what he did. But it's not like then it took very long. Right? Like if it's if he apparated, he's there already. He figured you don't out think so? that no, you're right, he did fly because he says in the end. Harry says, like, oh, did you know something? And or I can't remember exactly how he says it, but he says, oh, our paths must have crossed in air, like in midair. So, right. like, Hermione sends the owl to Dumbledore, and they cross in midair. So I, I do think that there's a theory there or something that says he was flying. Because I've always pictured him flying, too. Because if he apparated, yeah. he hey, instantly... Did anybody call me? No. Nope. Nope. And he's back. And he's back, right? <laughs> and then it's like... I don't know. I don't know how long apparition takes. No, maybe it's there's some sort of. Well, yeah. but yes, but then maybe there's so some processing flew. time or whatever, like so why did getting he fly? his bearings, buffering. talking to somebody, buffering, right? What loading, did, whatever he, it might did be. he fly simply because Rowling hasn't decided that he can operate out of Hogwarts yet? Is that why he flew? I think yes. <laughs> yes. Or because he knew he was going to be going out slowly. Let me let me give Quirrell some time to steal the stone. That's exactly right. Well, if we're if we're set saying, up my, if we're saying, saying I gotta set up my is, battle dome, is let the me puppet fly master, off. Then he needs to be unavailable. Right, mm-hmm. and he can't be unavailable if he operates, because then he's instantly back another place where things are happening. Hmm. Yep. <clears throat> was it a fake note? Harry thinks it was a fake Harry note written by fake. Snape. We, Snape is not responsible, was... so. Now I gotta read. I mean, it could have been legitimately a letter from the Ministry of Magic, in which case Dumbledore was not pulling the strings on the timing there, even though he may have set up. In which all case, of the he was leaving and getting to the Ministry slowly on purpose because he didn't want to deal with the issue knowing that there was this potential danger at Hogwarts. Hmm. I mean, that also doesn't sound like responsible Dumbledore. It sounds like if there actually was a ministry issue, he'd get there quickly to get back quickly. But if he's purposefully taking his time... It's just a lot of coincidences lining up. Right. He doesn't say it was fake. He says, no sooner had I reached London than it became clear to me that the place I should be was the one I had just left. Yeah, there's no indication. Yeah, but he doesn't say, like, they didn't need me there. It was a trick. Mm. It was a ruse. But, I mean, it could have just been Quirrell sending it rather than Snape. That's what I've always assumed. Yeah, that's what I said, too. You have to infer one way or the other. Now, Hogwarts, we know, is in Scotland, right? Is that right? 
Mm. I've always thought that Hogwarts. We know it's in the north. I do. Yeah, it's, it's either in the north of England or I've always thought around England, Scotland. Because okay. they take the train from London. I mean, I know it's not very far, but. Well. I'm just and saying, we know it's a steam locomotive, even, which means that its ability. I mean, we're not talking well, about something that can go more than fifty-five miles an hour. Yeah, even if it's in the north of uh, England, that is a heck of a broom ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. as as one who recently sat on a seven and a half hour train from basically the Scottish English border down into the south sort of parallel with where London was. That was on a modern uh, British train. Yeah. That was excruciating. And you're not dealing with windchill. If I could have apparated, yeah. oh, I would have well, done that. There's spells for that. I mean, you're, you're not dealing with all the, I mean, the, the, the chafing and the, <laughs> the, you know, the, the splinters in your hands and the windchill and the, the bugs in your face and the moisture. I mean, the moisture level of having to go through the clouds. It would... Mm stick to your skin and it gets so cold and freezing. I mean, the, I don't know. I I still think that this is one of those uh, plot holes, you know, that ah, I didn't know about Apparition yet, but, you know, like, I, I came up with it later. Um, yeah. And, and the only reason I say that is even if Dumbledore did know that all of this was taking place, I still think he would find a way to be there at the castle, you know, I mean, who knows, you know, plans can go awry, and so, I mean, what if I need to fix something, I mean, he needs to be there on hand, I mean, and I was thinking, you know, the the kids, obviously, I mean, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, you know, they think, you know, it's kind of that security blanket to have Dumbledore there, because obviously Voldemort is um, afraid of Dumbledore, um, but, you know, he gets sent away. I mean, at least that's what we think. So obviously, Quirrell and Voldemort also want him away. I mean, or at least it appears so. Um, so I don't know. Maybe there is something to Dumbledore being close and near that Voldemort knows. I can't have this all-knowing Dumbledore, or at least very clever and wise Dumbledore, right here on the doorstep. Hmm. Shall we move on? <clears throat> I think so. So Harry gives um, his speech after McGonagall sort of turns them down. Um, He gives his, like, first speech of, um, you know, it's Mm -hmm. up to us, basically. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is the first time that we really see Harry kind of, like, assume this power. And I I couldn't help but think of in um, King's Cross when Dumbledore is saying... Um, to Harry, you know, perhaps those who are best suited for power are those who have it thrust upon them and find they wear it well. Um, And Harry sort of has it thrust on him here because Mm. he believes no one is going to help him. And I feel like there's some kind of parallel there with the mirror mirror of Erised and like how with the, the stone, in order to get that power, you have to be someone who's not looking to use it. You have to be someone who is trying to use it for good and... I feel like those two things somehow it's good that they're side by side here because we're seeing him take power for the first time and then we see not only is he worthy of that power and wearing it well but he's also worthy of the stone Mm -hmm. and Dumbledore again he knows that about Harry Mm -hmm. well I guess we get to Fluffy and I thought it's interesting how Rowling she 
takes, you know, I guess, uh, ancient, you know, I guess, Roman uh, mythology and gods and things like that and uh, kind of puts them a little bit in her uh, in her books. And I thought it was particularly interesting with the three-headed dog. You know, it mm. kind of, it, I guess, in Greek mythology, it's the Hound of Hades, which actually guards the entrance and exit to the underworld, mm. which they're getting ready to go through the trap door and go miles below uh, mm. Hogwarts. So, I mean, they're <laughs> essentially entering into Hogwarts' underworld. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, you know... You know, again, tip of the cap to you, yeah, you know, for right. p- putting in something. I mean, because she does this all the time with a lot of different characters, a lot of different uh, creatures and things like that. So tip of the cap to you, Rolling. That was good. Sylvia and I were recently listening to the end of Chamber of Secrets. And it was it was interesting because almost the exact same line, it, it felt like emerged there. We must be miles under the school. Yeah. is precisely what is said when they go down the faucet in Moaning Myrtle's bathroom mm-hmm. into the Chamber of Secrets. We must, we must be miles under, maybe even under the lake. Yeah. But here it's miles under the school. It makes me think, Hogwarts has a lot of stuff going on underneath it. Because yeah. then in Azkaban, they're under the Whomping Willow. Mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah. There's a whole there's a whole world underneath the foundation of that castle. In book four, they go deep into the lake. Gosh, we could keep going. (laughs) There's like another world inside the lake. Yeah, Yeah. it's interesting. Mm. I'll cut it off there, folks. But I'm sure I could go on. I mean, the crust of the Earth is only like three to ten miles thick. So when they say miles underground, I presume they're also meaning like. Horizontally, <laughs> not just vertically straight down miles, because um, that would not. We would be it's we'd be seeing a very here. <laughs> also, we'd be a very different environment. Also, just a, a side note. I mean, I, is this only for the American version where they say miles, or they say meters? I guess mm. in the the British mm. version, kilometers, kilometers below the earth. Um, that sounded Australian to me. Well, they <laughs> often mix and match. We got a Scottish Kilo one too. Meter. <laughs> Kilometer. But they jump. I guess they uh, soothe the beast with a flute, <laughs> which I guess you don't really have to be really proficient at playing it. You can just play any old notes, yeah. and it will go right to sleep. Which I thought was interesting because you know, when you, know, when you think of music, you normally think of something with with melody, and yet this is the second time in this book where. Where you thought there was going to be song that had some kind of coherence to it, instead it could be random and it would still be okay. Like mm. when the singing of the Hogwarts song mm. and everybody is using different melodies and it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I think most people, if they experienced that kind of cacophony of sounds, they would not think it was fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but Fluffy thinks it's fine too. Yeah. So. Give any third grader a recorder, Fluffy's out like a light. (laughs) Well, we could end this episode with us all doing our rendition of a song for Fluffy on a a flute, like we did with the Hogwarts song. Do we have any flutes? Do we have enough flutes? We have a djembe in the corner, an electric guitar, and a saxophone, and a guitar. Saxophone's kind of like a flute. I'm going to vote We'll scrap that idea. (laughs) Yep. Yep. 
So they end up in Devil's Snare. I love the line when Ron asks Hermione, are you a witch or what? (laughs) And I just love it so much because in book seven, he asks her the same question, or she asks him the same question back, like, are you a wizard or what? And it's just, oh, it's so sweet to see that come full circle. Mm. But then he not only asks her that, but when everything is fine and they've, they've managed to free themselves from it, he goes, there's no wood, honestly. He's still, he still can't get over the fact that she said something so stupid. And then in a panic, in book seven, when they don't have Crookshanks to press the knob on the Whomping Willow, he says that he, he does the same. We don't have Crookshanks. Are you a wizard or what? It's just so sweet. I, I just love that. I love little things like that that she kind of brings back to the seventh book when she kind of pairs it to the first book. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to one of the points that I um, was thinking about um, moving to the chess set um, whenever, or the chess match, um, whenever Ron is um, sort of directing that. We were talking earlier about the theory that maybe that was the task that was meant to suit him best. And one of the things he says is, you've got to make sacrifices. Mm -hmm. And um, probably all of us who are Harry Potter fans know that Uh, J.K. Rowling seriously considered killing Ron off in book seven, which, you know, I'm so thankful she didn't because Ron is one of my favorite characters. Um, But I just, I feel like that would have been, if she had done that, that would have been a good parallel to this moment when Ron recognizes that there is like, there's a tactical advantage to making sacrifices in this battle. It's something Mm -hmm. that he sees and knows and it's probably how he would have gone out in book seven as well would be like protecting Harry and Hermione Mm -hmm. um, and saying like you know I've got to do this because it's the only way you're getting across the board so I mean I'm super thankful she didn't but how interesting that he recognizes this at such an early tender age yeah I will say every character that Rowling killed off I have seen her apologize yeah. somewhere. <laughs> like, oh, I really wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, you killed off a large proportion of, you know, our, our dearly beloved characters. But so that I, I, I underlined that same line, mm. but it was with an eye towards uh, the selfishness versus sacrifice theme that we pointed out in our last discussion that Voldemort sacrifices the innocent unicorn in order to benefit himself. Um, Ron, in the very next chapter, says, no, we are the ones who must be willing to make sacrifices in order to benefit others. We may not see the day when the fruit of our actions uh, come to fruition, but laying down our own lives, laying down our own good, is the way forward. It's, It's interesting that the only thing that beats Voldemort, ultimately, sacrifice, whether it was Harry's mom, whether it's Ron laying his life down in the chess match, a lesser sacrifice, but a sacrifice nonetheless, or book seven, the ultimate sacrifice that Harry's willing to make, the only thing that beats Voldemort is the only thing that Voldemort is not willing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, or, uh, Dumbledore sort of says, ah, you know, it's, he, he couldn't love. Um, this is just a certain angle on that. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. more specific angle saying, 
Yes, Voldemort was incapable of love, and because of that, um, he was incapable of sacrifice. He used people, but it was people who were unwilling to use others and instead laid down their lives, sacrificed themselves, that ultimately were the ones who always got the leg up on him. Uh, I just find it really, really interesting to go through and, and begin seeing those sorts of themes of selfishness versus sacrifice emerging even at such an early stage mm -hmm. in the in the books. And then Hermione's like logic puzzle with or Snape's logic puzzle that Hermione solves. I just think here like I can't help but think like Snape should really like Hermione. She should be the sort of student that he appreciates, one who's dedicated, because he himself, you know, takes education and his job very seriously. So this puzzle that he put together, she's like, this is brilliant. She loves this. And so it's so interesting to me. I mean, he should actually appreciate her. And I, I often wonder if, apart from her just being, you know, Harry's best friend, if he doesn't appreciate her and like her because he, she in some ways reminds him of Lily in the same way or the same way mm. Harry does. You know, she's a muggle-born. She's very smart and ambitious. She's mm. good at potions, which we know Lily was as well because right. Slughorn right. always talks about her. And I just wonder if it's not this, like, deflective sort of mm. way to not grow close to someone that he could lose again. Never thought of that. Mm. But... I just thought it was because like she's a Gryffindor and he hates Gryffindors. She's <laughs> an insufferable <laughs> know-it-all. That's exactly yeah, that's what I was you. thinking. It's, yeah. That's the exact quote I was thinking. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I found myself very frustrated with, with the narration of Snape's puzzle. Because there is actually not enough information in the book to solve the puzzle. Yeah. Right. There's you you have to know something about the relative sizes and positions of the bottles in order to use the information given mm -hmm. on page 285 to solve it. And the reason I know that is because I was scribbling out the possible <laughs> <laughs> solutions. And eventually, like after 15 minutes of being on this page, I was like, you cannot do it. You can't do it. And then I looked it up online, and they were like, no, you can't do it. But you can do it on Pottermore. I was just getting ready to say right. that. But, but, and I couldn't do it on Pottermore. I had to cheat and look up at what the actual answer was. I failed multiple times. <laughs> And this is, but this goes back to what we were saying about sort of how a kid could figure it out. Also, on sort of the other hand, anyone of maturity could make it impossible for somebody else to go through. If you really wanted to prevent anyone from following you, rearrange the order of the bottles. <laughs> Bring the key with the wing with you when you go through the door, right? Like, there's... <laughs> Burn the broomsticks when you're done. Right? There's, there's all sorts of ways that you could have just, you know... Tweaked the circumstances. Right. And then suddenly, I mean, maybe there's an enchantment that makes it so you have to put the bottles back precisely the order within which they maybe were. Maybe there's like a reset kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I thought that... Things. Yeah, I found myself trying to explain those things like away. Like a video game level? But then the troll stays knocked out. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I felt like, I don't know, it seems like... And the wing is damaged. Mm -hmm. But the chessboard is set back up. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You know, it's but not like it's a play can, game. Can we just agree 
that she should have done it so that the logic puzzle was Worked. there for us yeah. to figure out. Right. Yes. Yeah, mm. totally. So that Even people like me it. don't waste our time. <laughs> <laughs> like, how on earth did she no, but, figure it out? But There's that's part of the fun of the of children's books like this, right? That it gets yeah. kids to to want to be engaged in the same puzzles that their heroes and the I, people that they're I reading the story about. I definitely did that the first probably couple of times I wrote out. Mm-hmm. And then there was me who just kept writing it out thinking, like, there's got to be an answer yeah. here. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know how to tell that there's not an answer yeah. here. I, I feel like the publisher missed an opportunity, the, the editor or somebody missed an opportunity to say, add one more detail. Mm-hmm. Or, 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 you know, a, a, a paragraph, a sentence or two. A picture. Yeah. So that your readers get to immerse themselves in what Hermione is trying to do right now. It could even have been the illustration at the beginning of the chapter. Yeah. Ooh. It's not. Okay. It's fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that would be brilliant. <laughs> I'm still looking. Um, I actually, so after we get done and uh, Ron gets, you know, his head smacked or karate chopped by the queen... Um, and he's he's out for the count. Uh, there's I guess the touching moment you know between Hermione and Harry where you know Harry says that ah oh, you need to go back and get Dumbledore you know I'm gonna go on ahead. Um, he says you know I might get lucky again you know who knows I'm just a first year but you know I'm I'm going on ahead and she throws her arms around her and you know she has you know this uh, line that says Harry. You're a great wizard, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, this goes back to, I think, some of the earlier chapters where Harry was so worried that, you know, I, I'm not a good wizard. You know, I, I can't live up to, you know, what everyone has, has put me up to. You know, I'm a pedestal. I, I didn't even know about this world until, you know, like... Hagrid um, busted uh, down yeah, the until, door. Yeah, Hagrid busted down the door. I had no clue this was even... You know, a part of my life, I didn't know this is who I was. I didn't know I was a wizard. You know, I'm so far behind. And, and now, you know, Hermione, who is arguably, but I think most of us would agree, mm-hmm. is the uh, most, I guess, the cleverest, the smartest, you know, one the of mastermind. the mastermind. Be- yeah, one of the best wizards, I guess, of her age. And she even gets that compliment, you know, telling Harry that, Harry, you are a great wizard. Um, and acknowledging that the thing that makes her a great wizard, books and cleverness, are not the most valuable traits, which yeah. I think is really important and super uncharacteristic of Hermione, who believes books and cleverness are the most important thing. Yeah. Although I do believe she sells herself really super short. short. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. Because yeah. she's amazing. <laughs> yeah, let's be honest. Like, Harry and Ron, and they both know it, would not have made it anywhere oh, without mm-hmm. Hermione. They're so dead without her. No. So yeah. fast. They're it, dead like so in every many book. times. Yeah. Yeah. In every dead. book, they would die. Harry yeah. would have swallowed poison right there yeah, and right died. There. But, right there, but notice, she says, you're a great wizard. Uh, there are Books and cleverness, uh, you know, there are more important things. Friendship and bravery. And I'm thinking, okay, but... If I'm Harry, I'm thinking, what about, you know, magic? Well, <laughs> you haven't really proved yourself there, buddy. You know, you're sort of a middling student. But friendship and bravery you've got. Yeah. It's sort of like, well, he tries hard. You know, he, you're a nice guy. I mean, I think she genuinely means that you are a great wizard. And she's defining greatness in a certain way. But the accent is on, like, great. 
mm-hmm. in in terms of person, yeah. not in terms of magical prowess, it yeah. seems. <laughs> because I'm trying to think, where in this book has he demonstrated any sort of above-standard magical ability? Well, that's the thing. I feel like he is really talented at the kinds of magic, and I think we talked about this at some point, that are intuitive, mm-hmm. and like, like flying. Yeah. It's something that kind of, you don't have to learn it. Mm-hmm. It just flows. And so he, so that is somewhat driven by his character and by his personality and less by magical knowledge. But it's still magic. Yeah. Mm. That's true. Yeah, even in his most climactic battles, what's happening seems to be that there is something within him. Right. Something innate, such that he can do Expelliarmus, or he can conjure up a Patronus, and it's it's not you know this sort of magical engineering, this developed skill, so much as it is reflects it's part of who he is. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, so maybe he is a great wizard. Friendship and bravery. <laughs> There's like a, a cheesy comment to insert here that's like. Friendship and bravery are a magic of their own. Mm. It's totally true. Mm. You're right, that was cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> but we all enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you. I try. Well, I think uh, also, I mean, getting to the end here, you know, the, Harry, I guess the last sentence is, there was already someone there, you know, waiting for him in the last room. But it wasn't Snape. It wasn't even Voldemort. And I guess we won't ruin who it is. <laughs> if well, we you don't talk about it a lot already. <laughs> Ru- yeah. well, for the past year and a half, we've been talking <laughs> about it. Yeah. But yeah, we find out that someone else is waiting for him in the room. That it was Hagrid all along. It was Hagrid. <laughs> all right, friends. Peeves. <laughs> well, with that, we come to the end of chapter 16. We only have one more chapter left in our journey through Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. We are about to reach a milestone in uh, the trek that is the Harry Potter Book Club, and we are so glad that you are with us on the journey. Remember, you can get in touch with us at hpbcfanmail at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram. We would love to hear from you and answer uh, your questions, respond to your comments on a future broadcast. But as always, until then, Mischief Mischief Managed. Managed.